0: This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out of home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics Studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz.
1: Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Adam Ritz. And today we're going to feature some great interviews and conversations that we've had over the years. Sort of a best of episode of the Adam Ritz show, beginning with Rod Woodson, NFL Hall of Famer, played 17 seasons in the NFL from the Steelers to the Raiders. He's won Super Bowls and he's the current head coach of the xfl vegas franchise the brand new xfl is back and rod woodson is your head coach in vegas we caught up with him to talk about his work with the leukemia society and his social media responsibility advice for not only his kids but for young adults across america as we begin in oakland with rod woodson at the raiders football complex with hall of famer rod woodson hi rod how are you i'm doing good adam I am uh, so happy to be here with you, and I'm so happy to see the P on your chest for Purdue, so
2: still a proud Boilermaker. You have to represent on the West Coast, and I'm doing that proudly out here.
1: So uh, I know you've been asked to come back to campus at Purdue and and wave the flag during the third or fourth quarter change. Uh, How often do you get back to campus?
2: Well, you know, uh, before I started working here, I was doing it every, uh, I was there for the last three years, but I was working for the Big Ten Network, so it allowed me to go back there and to call some of the games and to see the beautiful campus again, once again in West Lafayette.
1: So after your playing days and you did some broadcast with the Big Ten Network, now you are on staff here with the Raiders. What is your, what is your title? I'm going to guess. Are you the d- defensive back coach? I think so. You're, that's a good guess. That is a good guess. <laughs> And, and how did, uh, is this your first coaching experience? In the pros, yes, it is.
2: Uh, I've been coaching high school for the last couple of years, and, um, but I've always wanted to, to try my hand at coaching in the National Football League, and I don't believe in living life in regret. And if I wouldn't have tried it somewhere along the line, uh, I knew I would have been kicking myself down the road.
1: Do you have young defensive backs that, uh, for whatever reason or another, that, that break one of your records that uh, I'm sure they look at you like a football god and they meet you someday? You, don't, you probably don't even know who they are, but they're like, Mr. Woodson, I just broke your record for this. How does that make you feel?
2: Well, I mean, records are made to be broken, and I'm hoping they do get broken. Eventually that means there's some good football being played around the country. Um, but, you know, it's good just to be mentioned. And, you know, it's always been, a, it's been said to me from Dick LeBeau, You'd rather be in a has-been than a never was. <laughs> now, you still look like you could play. Now, during no. practice, you've
1: got to get out there and backpedal. You do something with these guys, don't you? Uh, not
2: really. No, no, Broken up knees, five knee surgeries, so uh, I teach from afar. And every now and then I'll try to get out there and show a little something, but that's very rare.
1: Now, since you've had the experience broadcasting, do the other coaches sort of just throw you into the uh, the Raider broadcast if they ever say we need
2: a coach to talk to you on the Raider pregame show? Do they say get Woodson to do it? No, they you know everybody gets a fair shake. Um, you know, you know if your position is playing well, then you get more media time. But if you're not playing too well, they're going to push you in the back. That's the way it works. And
1: if or if or when your coaching days are over, another broadcast career?
2: Well. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to try to stick this one out. I, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Uh, I, you know, the, one of the main reasons I came back to coaching football is I want to try to impact these guys' lives on the field and off the field. And um, and that's one of the main reasons I'm here, try to bridge, to bridge that gap of teaching these guys that you don't have to be socially acceptable and do the things that you think that the world wants you to do. You know, be yourself, have a foundation of what you believe in, and stick to that. Rod,
1: everybody has... Uh... Advice for rookies and first or second year players on how to take advantage of their NFL career, um, and then by the time you get to your 12th, 13th year in the NFL, you, you know it all. What about that mid-level player, the sixth, seventh year player? What kind of advice would you have for that?
2: I mean, I, first, I think for all players, I, I think that you know you need to learn to empty yourself. Um, because if you think you know everything, you can't be taught anything. Uh, And that goes from rookies to the vets. And, you know, once you learn to do that, you got to start learning to trust your coaches and to trust your instincts um, on the field. And I think we all understand the negativity outside of football, but on the football field, if you want to be a great player, you have to take what you get in the meeting rooms, uh, from the coaches, from practice, and then apply that back to – the field, and those are the great players that, that you see on a weekly basis, that you see that can be in the Hall of Fame, because those players take what they're, what's given to them, and then they apply it back to the field. And it's the knowledge applied back is the best knowledge.
1: A lot of celebrities and NFL players, professional athletes are afforded the opportunity to work with charities uh, to get a lot of uh, messages and word out, raise a lot of money for a lot of good causes. During your playing days, um, what avenues were you able to work with to take advantage of your, I guess, celebrity to help other people?
2: Well, I, I had my own foundation uh, in my hometown, in Fort Wayne, Indiana. But then I worked with the Hakeem Society, and, it, it, and the reason I worked with them is because my best friend, when I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, passed away of leukemia. Um, he was diagnosed after we left. He went to IU, I went to Purdue, even though I forgave him for going to IU, but he went to IU, he passed away of leukemia. Uh, then the best man at my wedding, after the, after the fact, after my wedding with my wife, who we've been married for 22 wonderful years, but he was diagnosed with leukemia. So it's it was, it was a passion of mine to, to make people aware of the blood disease that's there, and to always get checked. Fantastic.
1: Okay, and finally, because this just popped in my head, do you ever look online uh, with Twitter
2: and Facebook and think, man, I am so glad this stuff didn't exist when I was playing? It is. The social media has changed a lot. Um, you know, but one thing about social media, I have five kids. and it, They range from 21 to 11. And they all, I think, have a Facebook account. I don't think any of them do the Twitter thing. Okay, But we, we tell them all the time, be very careful what you put out there. you Because know, once you send it, it's over it's over it's in cyberspace somewhere it's there people just got to find it and i I think it's a good thing for our society but it's a thing that we have to be very careful with because it has changes it has changed the the landscape of especially sports and entertainment to another level because anything that's negative that can happen goes out there right now it doesn't wait three days four days to get to the local news it's instantaneous it's going to happen
1: yeah it's almost like broadcast media now is reactive to what happens on social media
2: it, it really is uh, you know everybody if you look at NBC CBS they all have their own Facebook accounts and their own Twitter followings and so I think we get so caught up into what the players and people are putting out there, but I think the players in general have to be very careful what they put out there because they have to understand, at the end of the day, nobody forced them to push that button to push this in. It's their responsibility to understand what they put out there, and they have to be responsible and understand the consequences that come along with pushing sin.
1: What's the worst that can happen when I press this button? Right. That's Absolutely. what they think.
2: They don't think it's. They don't think it's. It can happen. Or it can hurt anybody because it's nothing but a little button and it's nothing but words. But words can break down a foundation of a, of a, a corporation. It can bring down the foundation of a family. It can break down the foundation of a human being. So I think we have to be very careful what words can do to somebody because they they, they go to the soul of what can really be there be it a uh, be it a company be it a family be it an individual
1: great advice from the great rod woodson all-american from purdue super bowl champion in the nfl now an nfl hall of famer he's played with the steelers the ravens and the 49ers and now you'll see him on the sidelines with the oakland raiders as he's uh, enjoying and succeeding as a defensive back coach in the nfl you can catch up with The Adam Ritz Show online. Podcasts of
3: recent shows, including this one, can be found at adamritzshow.com. Like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Adam Ritz Show, or follow at Adam Ritz on Twitter.
1: And we bring back to the show Lee Lonzo. Hi, Lee. Hello, Adam. Great to be back with you. Okay, let's set it up. Lee is a, uh, a, a recurring guest on this, uh, on this radio broadcast. Um, we love having you on to talk about bullying and hazing and mentoring those are your three uh i guess expertise would you say uh, hazing bullying and mentoring
4: yes i would that's uh, that's how i'm uh, spending my time these days
1: that's how you're known and then from a Uh, I guess uh, an experience point of view, you've uh, been an administrator, a high school principal, a high school athletic director, you are an attorney, and currently you are the owner-operator of Lee Consulting, and you work with high schools across the country uh, uh, to educate and program uh, mentoring, hazing, and bullying programs,
4: correct? uh, That's absolutely correct. I've had the uh, privilege of working with uh, more than 350 high schools from Maine to California, 26 different states. I've been uh, blessed to have that opportunity to work with kids all over the country.
1: And we love bringing you on uh, once every other month or so to talk about bullying and hazing. Um, topics that I remember when uh, you know I was in high school and college, they're certainly getting more publicity now. Um, I guess from your point of view, uh, hazing has sort of been out there forever. I mean, rem- we remember and uh, laugh at some of the stories from the 1930s and 40s from college hazing. But bullying... It's really changed how people perceive bullying, the attention it's getting, the ne- negativity that that goes along with it. It's changed a lot here recently. What is your take on how that's happened and, and, and how that education process um has proceeded from your perspective?
4: Well, I, I think there's a combination of things, and I guess I'm approaching this more of a sociologist than anything else, but uh, the world has changed, as we all know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Internet, the uh, 24-hour news cycle, the... the. Um, um, the awareness that people have about other people. I think uh, prior to, well, let's just talk about when I was a kid. We we didn't know as much about the rest of the country, what was going on, but uh, there have been some... Uh, some well-publicized events where kids have, have committed suicides, probably as a reaction to bullying. That sort of stuff probably went on when I was a kid, too, but we just didn't all know about it. It wasn't out there on the Today Show because it wasn't on the Internet. So I think there's a lot more awareness, as you have said, and people have become a lot more sensitive to the issues. To see, uh, to see some of the things that we used to think were funny, um, not so funny anymore.
1: You mentioned the, the suicide. I just saw that story, uh, a big one from 2012. We'll go down, and, and when you look at all the stories from 2012, now that we're approaching the end of the year, uh, in Canada, there was a young woman, 15 years old, who put a video of herself on the Internet, um, real touching video about how she's been picked on and bullied and how depressed she is, this and that and the other, and then when you watch the video, you learn to find out that maybe a week after she posted that video, she committed suicide. That is uh, unbelievably Touching, disappointing, heart-wrenching, uh, and it—it's got to make, you know, I'm am a grown man, and it—and it touches me in a certain way. Do kids watch that, and do they get it? Does a does a 15-year-old bully, so to speak, watch that and go, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I could be a little nicer.
4: Well, I'd, I'll tell you what uh, part of my challenge is, I think, is, is changing the culture the kids live in. I don't think we're ever going to change every one of those bullies, but we want, what we want to do is change the culture away from a situation where the good kids no longer sit around and watch that and snicker at it and and, and kind of passively uh, let it happen, but where kids will stand up and say, that's not right. So I'm not looking to change every bully. What I'm looking for is to change that 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 tip Point of of peer pressure because we all know how how important peer pressure is to kids. Change the peer pressure from one that says, "Oh, you gotta go along with the bully," to one that says, "No, I am going to stand up and do the right thing and tell that bully they're wrong." When we can do that, we are we are going to make great strides. But I am, like I said, I am not really hoping to ever change every bully. What I am hoping to change is the culture.
1: Lee Lonzo is our guest, bullying expert. Another story I saw. I'm kind of. Uh, I look at the news and the media. I'm kind <laughs> of into the media perspective on this too. Big story, and it was. A, it was a feel good story from the year. Was a young woman in um, Detroit, I think, definitely Michigan. She was a, as a act of bullying. She was uh, nominated for homecoming queen. Um, apparently, she would have never been nominated for queen, but a bunch of people thought it'd be funny to nominate her for homecoming queen, point and laugh at her. The community rallied around her, um, got her a makeover, bought her a dress, took a limo. Um, The other team they were playing for homecoming had signs for her. People from outlying areas that didn't even go to the school district showed up at that game to support her. So... A few bad decisions from a couple bullies can actually rally the, you know, rally
4: the herd to get behind and support this cause. Absolutely. You and I uh, obviously follow the same stories because I followed that one, too, and I checked all the clips and the interviews and the news stories. But but what you're talking about, Adam, is exactly what I'm talking about. I I don't ever hope to change those few kids who came up with that great idea to let's make fun of this poor girl because she's a little bit different. What I'm saying is, we changed the culture where you guys are the jerks. Yeah. Uh, you guys are the ones we're going to point at and laugh at because you came up with this idea. And the community itself was awesome. I got goosebumps watching it. Uh, she she didn't end up getting elected homecoming queen, but uh, she got national publicity. All the morning talk shows were out doing it. And like you said, she the community, you know, uh, makeovers and limo, and it was just so heartwarming to see. No, we're we're behind you. That woman is going to be changed forever yeah she she is going to be a stronger more confident just in your face nobody's going to bully me anymore and she might have been a can, candidate for suicide she even said she thought about hurting herself uh so um you know g- good things came out of that story because somebody changed the culture
1: there very good and um when you work with high schools coast to coast i um Understand you have uh, actual an interview you want to share with us. I can't wait to hear it. Um, from is it the Louisiana area? You were down yes, in Louisiana yes. or, uh, recently, and you worked with um, not only the kids, but you worked with their administrators on how how to work with the kids on topics like mentoring and bullying.
4: Sure. Well, they, this goes back to something that you and I have discussed before called the kickoff program, and the kickoff program is all about finding mentors for kids who are new to the school. Uh, so yeah, uh, what I did was I I sat down with uh, um, the the coordinator that's what we call them the the uh, the teacher or administrator who runs the program because the the challenge is uh, when when you're going to institute a new program like this you don't just pop in and work with the kids somebody's got to know how to, to to pick the the mentors and organize the mentors and schedule the the orientation day all these things that go along with it so yes I work with the adults first to get the program organized, and then I go and train the kids to actually be mentors. So because of our conversations, uh, I, I was hoping to be kind of a stringer for you. Uh, <laughs> head out there on the road and get something you might be able to use. And it turned out to be a wonderful experience because I set this adult down. Uh, her name's Michelle Roy. She is the uh, coordinator at a school called the Louisiana School for the Agricultural Sciences. Uh, real neat school because it, it, it's kind of vocational, uh, but the vocation that these kids have selected is agricultural. So it's out in the middle of nowhere, a place called Bunky, Louisiana. But I sat <laughs> down with Michelle in front of her kids, which was the really cool part, and I started asking her questions about what, what a mentoring program does for a school. And, and uh, as you will hear from Michelle, it, it, it's had a very positive impact on their school, and I hope on the 300-plus schools that we've worked with all over the country. Okay, let's take a listen. This
1: is Lee Lonzo with Michelle, uh, director of the kickoff program at a high school down in Louisiana.
4: Hi, this is Lee Lonzo with the kickoff program, and I am live in Bunky, Louisiana, and I'm with a bunch of great kickoff mentors. Let's hear it, guys. This is uh, just one of my favorite places in the world to come to. It's the Louisiana School for the Agricultural Sciences, and I am here today with their kickoff coordinator, uh, Ms. Michelle Roy. Uh, thanks for being here today.
0: Thank you, Lee. I'm happy to be here.
4: Um, you, you and I both know that I've worked with schools all over the country and so many schools, and yet this is really a unique school. So why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about what uh, Lasass is all about?
0: Um, Lasas is a charter school for students who are interested in um, career education, vocational classes, um, agricultural sciences. We are grades 7 to 12, and because we are a charter school, we pull students from all across our school district who, um, who are chosen to attend.
4: Okay, and, and that's a bit, pretty big school district, right? So you got some of these kids coming in from a pretty good distance compared to most schools.
0: Um, some students might come from 40, maybe 45 miles away.
4: Yeah, and in and my school district, that's a long way. Well, let, let's talk a little more specifically about what you've been doing here in the last five years with the kickoff program. And why don't we start off with uh, what, what exactly do you do as the adult teacher coordinator of this program?
0: I have a, a, a selection process where students apply to be mentors. Uh, we do applications, and uh, they do teacher ratings, and um, I select mentors once a year. This is our fifth year, and our program has grown. The first year we did uh, kickoff mentors, we had I had thirteen mentors, and I'm at my biggest group now, 22. And uh, this year, last year and this year, for the first time, we're mentoring two grades, seventh and eighth grade. We meet twice a month every other Thursday and there are pre-planned activities sometimes and sometimes it's just a get-together session to check on grades and behavior and how are you doing and but uh, we have regularly scheduled mentor meetings.
4: Okay, now it sounds like that's a quite a bit of work for you so I'm presuming you get paid quite a bit of money for doing this, right?
0: You would presume incorrectly.
4: <laughs> okay. So, so, so My I-
0: job is to uh, make sure that um, whatever the activities are for that Thursday that all the mentee the mentors know ahead of time and so I have out, I'll hand out little slips um, one of my mentee mentors is very good about uh, posting for Facebook they text each other and remind each other that we have a meeting um, I get suggestions from the mentors about what activities they'd like to do. Last week we did a planner scavenger hunt to help the 7th and 8th graders learn how to use their planners to their benefit, and one of the mentors is the one who made the scavenger hunt. So a lot of the activities, I just maybe ask or get an idea, and then the mentors put it together.
4: Okay, but I, 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 I'm I, really saying to you now, this is a lot of work, right? Yes,
0: it is. Okay. It's a lot of work.
4: And at a lot of schools, if you've got, like, I used to be a coach, and it was a lot of work. And I got paid considerably for that, a lot more than most kickoff coordinators do. So I'm going to guess that you make less than a football coach in Louisiana. Would that be correct?
0: That would be correct. Um, I am a classroom teacher and I run the library and I'm a kickoff coordinator and all of these duties are just tied together. There is no kickoff stipend.
4: Okay, so so I, I, I think uh, like many of the coordinators around the country, you're doing this out of the goodness of your heart. Uh, so here is my bottom line question on this uh, this whole line we're doing is why are you doing this? Uh, if it's so much work and you're not getting paid for it, why are you spending all this energy on these kids and for the last five years have been doing all this?
0: Um, I've seen a change in our eighth graders' When we first started the program, we were 8th to 12, now we're seven to 12. I've seen a change over time in um, discipline issues with our 7th and 8th graders. Um, our middle school students will respond to high school students much more than they will respond to teachers in many cases, and um, we're giving them a chance to have a friend even if it's kind of pre-planned at the beginning. Here is a friend that you have and um, I think that if we can get these younger kids to see the value of their education and the value of doing well in school and these high school students are their mentors that it benefits my school and that's worth more than money.
4: And Do you, do you have any real success stories that you've seen that this has really helped one of your 7th or 8th graders or even helped one of your mentors? Uh, and I'm catching you on the spot now, but can you think of any individual stories that are success stories?
0: I don't know that I could name one student, but I have several mentors in this group here who were once mentees and starting in the 8th grade. Mr. Roy, I'd like to be a mentor. Mr. Roy, I'd like to be a mentor. And now that they're in the 10th grade or the 11th grade, they have decided to step up because they either had a good experience or they know that they could do a job that maybe should have been done a certain way.
4: So, so in my hearing, you say that uh, this not only benefits your 7th and 8th graders, but maybe benefits your mentors as well?
0: Oh, no, maybe. Absolutely. In, um,
4: in, in what way?
0: They are gaining leadership skills, they're gaining social skills, and more importantly to me, the most important thing, they're learning the value of helping someone else. Um, My personal belief in life is if I'm not helping, if I'm not doing for other people, then what's the point? I'm here to to serve, so, and I mean I would look at teaching that way, Um, I'm that way with my family, um, and I hope I'm that way with my students. If you're not here to help other people, what are you doing?
4: I I think maybe that's why you and I bonded a long time ago when we met, because the way my daddy used to phrase it is, service is the rent you pay for your space here on Earth, So so you better serve other people. That was Lee Lonzo uh, talking with Michelle,
1: the director of the kickoff program at uh, what high school in Louisiana? Louisiana School for the Agricultural Sciences. Okay, and again, that's interesting that that conversation, that interview took place in front of the high school kids themselves. So they, they got to learn about the program uh, along with the rest of the listening audience here on the radio.
4: Well, to me, the more the more important part, part which kind of comes out here, is Michelle is doing this completely out of the kindness of her heart. She's not getting paid for it. She is a volunteer, and I even point out, you know, you know, coaches get paid pre- pretty well for working with kids outside of the normal school day. You're not getting any pay, but you choose to do it. Why? And, and she told you because it's it's doing great things. But it was, it's probably less important to me that your audience is hearing this than it was for those kids who yeah. are the benefit of, of her donating her time to hear why she was doing it and why it was so important and kind of made them puff up a little bit that this is important work I'm doing. Well, we'll uh, invite you back on the radio show,
1: and we encourage you to get more interviews like that on the road, coast to coast, in these great United States with high school directors and kids uh, across the country. That was really, really cool and really interesting. Thank you for taking the time to do that.
4: Well, my pleasure, and I look forward to putting it on my resume that I am a stringer for uh, Adam Ritz's (laughs) radio show. (laughs) And uh,
1: if you have any... um, thoughts or ideas on bullying or hazing stories that you hear in the news and you want us to cover these on this program, feel free to tweet me at Adam Ritz. You can tweet Lee
4: at Lee Lonzo, correct? That's correct. You you can find me best by going to my website, which is leelonzoconsulting.com. Okay. And we
1: we love to cover these stories, bring awareness to uh, helping Um, not only the victims of uh, bullying and hazing, but to hopefully avoid and just prevent the whole thing before it even happens in the first place. Lee, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thank you,
4: Adam. Look forward to coming back soon.
1: Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social technically. And we continue from Warner University in Lake Wales, Florida. It's Warner University, and we are joined now by the head baseball coach, Jeff Sykes. Hi, Coach. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing great. And uh, Jeff Sykes, that's a, did you play baseball in college or uh, what is your connection to baseball
3: athletically? I played baseball at the University of Kentucky.
1: No kidding. Yep. And I have to get, yeah, I don't care if you were the pitcher or not, there had to have been some sort of psych out
3: nickname, whether you were a batter, a pinch hitter, a pitcher. What was your position and did they call you the psych out? They didn't call me the psych out, they called me Sykesy. Uh, <laughs> and I was the third baseman. Psycho. At least it wasn't psycho. There was a couple of those from time to time, but
1: not regularly. Well, I was impressed uh, to learn that you were the head baseball coach here at Warner University, and now that throws a whole other level into it, that you were a, uh, a baseball player at the University of Kentucky in the Southeastern Conference. I mean, baseball in the South, Division one that's huge. It
3: is. It is. It wasn't as strong then as it is now uh, because you had more top-level high school players go directly in the pro ball. But it, it was still a strong level, and it was a great blessing and, and a lot of fun for me to play in at Kentucky and in the SEC for sure.
1: Was there any uh, players on your team or players uh, that you got to know very well throughout the, the conference that went on that we would have heard of in the major leagues?
3: Yeah, there were plenty. I mean, I played with Jeff Parrott. Jeff Parrott had a, about a 10-year major league career with the Expos, Montreal Expos, and... The Braves, uh, Paul Kilgus, uh, he pitched in uh, in the Orioles organization in a couple of years in the big leagues. And then uh, Jeff Keener, Jeff was just recently inducted into the University of Kentucky Sports Hall of Fame. And played in the Cardinals organization and had a little bit of time in the big leagues with the Cardinals. That is great. All right, so Jeff Sykes is our guest, the baseball coach at uh,
1: Warner University and a student athlete himself, baseball player from the University of Kentucky. And before we move on to what you do now with your players, um, and this might give away your age, I apologize for this question. Who are some of the basketball players on the U.K. Wildcats during your time
3: uh, in Lexington? Well, the biggest name was probably Sam Bowie. Oh, yeah. And... uh <laughs> Best known for uh, the Portland Trailblazers passing on Michael Jordan to draft Sam Bowie. That's right. <laughs> uh, so that was, he was probably the biggest name. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. That was uh, that's one of the biggest bloopers in sports. The
1: Trailblazers passed on Michael Jordan. Uh, Sam Boovey was an awesome was college basketball player, player, and I guess his pro career just wasn't quite as good as Michael Jordan, uh, and you could argue that nobody's career has been that good. Anyway, back here to Lake Wells, Florida at Warner University. You're the head baseball coach, and we want to talk about community service, some of the things you do with your guys. Uh, what, what are some of the uh, service projects you have with your team?
3: We've done different things over the years. We've worked with an organization that feeds the homeless in Orlando. We've gone up there on Saturday mornings and done that. Uh, We've done some other local things around the community. The primary thing we've done, Adam, and really we've done it for I think 13 years in a row, is we work with the Lake Wells Challenger League. The Lake Wells Challenger League is an arm of Little League Baseball, which provides playing opportunities for special needs kids. And so we serve as buddies and we play along with them, and, and there's not really any umpiring, but we just uh, communicate with them and build relationships and so on. We, we've done that for, like I say, I think about 13 years now.
4: Oh,
1: that's fantastic. And um, is this initiative uh, something that you started when you were here, or something you were just uh, lucky enough to be involved with once you came here?
3: I-, I didn't start it. There's a lady that I attend church with. Her daughter was a special needs uh, kid, and her daughter unfortunately passed away when she was about 12 years old. And she really is the one that got it going. Uh, I ask her, says, "Is there a way we can connect and be involved with this?" So she kind of put this all together, and and we started way back then. And and we just, as we have new players, we just work them into the program and and I really think at the end of the day we probably uh, our players benefit more from the experience than the kids they work with. I know the kids they work with enjoy it but our, our guys grow as young men as a result of being involved in it. When they get there and the kids are just so engaging you fall in love with them immediately um, and they come away saying, say when can I go back? It, it really is like that with our guys. Whenever we're Whoever we're choosing for that weekend to go work, I mean, they're, they're ready whenever it's their turn to go and excited to go.
1: That is awesome. And, uh, it's an inspiration to us to hear about your players and your team and the work you do with special needs kids. That is incredible, and we thank you for your service, and uh, I thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Coach. Thanks for having me at it.
0: The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics audio out of home marketplace at vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit adamritzshow.com.